I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. My name is Gary Mansfield. And this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. And this week, for episode number 58, I met up with photographer Pablo Allison in a coffee shop in Hackney. And because it's a coffee shop, there is some ambient noise. Ambient noise being what we used to call a bit of a racket in the background. Pablo has spent months documenting the migration of refugees across South America. I'll not go into any more detail than that, as I'll not do it any justice. We'll let Pablo tell you here, in his own words. But let's begin by banging these bongos. Just, just take yeah, a cup of drinking drink coffee. coffee. So there's going to be a little bit of background noise because we we happen to be in a, a coffee bar at the moment. I have seven questions that I ask each artist. What would you, how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? Yeah. Um, interesting question. Um, I do a lot of things, but I mainly like to be recognised as a photographer. Um, so, to anyone that doesn't know what I do, I do photography. And within photography, I do a lot of variations of, or, you know, I branch off to other things. Like, I do workshops, um, I do... Where do you do workshops? Well, anywhere. I, it could be uh, schools, it could be universities. Lately, in, in the UK and in places in, in Europe, I've been doing talks and workshops some some have been talks others have been workshops others have been this, you know a mutation of workshop and talk yeah. um, so and it, it just varies with a group of people it could be with a university it could be with a you know independent organization just anywhere where, where I can spread the word um, on, on the issues that I talk about with my photography I just use that as a platform to further you know um, distribute my work and you say um, to talk about your issues in your work what are the issues in your mm. work well 
um, I've been focusing on a lot of different topics with my photography over the years, but lately, for the last two and a half years, I've been working on, on it's not an issue, it's more like a phenomenon, migration as a yeah, phenomenon, and not so much as a problem, which is uh, what the, some politicians consider it to be. And so that's uh, kind of like what I've been uh, passionate for for the last two and a half years, as I said. But actually, I have been working on migration for longer than that, because I did a few projects in conjunction with my sister, because I work with my sister sometimes on photography work. And so we carried out like two projects on migration in the UK. And prior to that, in 2009, I finished another piece on migration. Uh, so I have actually been working on migration for a long time. When you work with your sorry, when you work with your sister, do you work as Pablo and Roxana, or do you have a collaborative name? Mm, I think the collaborative name is the name of the project. Oh yeah, good, yeah. But obviously, the authors would be me and and Roxana Allison, yeah, who's my sister. But we identify the project as or the work as you know from the title. It's interesting because a lot of people think when, when they, they've asked us this at, at talks we've had before, if we have a problem with each Im or like images in the project being identified to one of the authors, mm -hmm. but we don't care whether my image is, you know, uh, has the authorship of my... It, we just, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, it doesn't it's, it's matter just, yeah. because 50, at the end 50, of the day, yeah, and at the end of the day, the whole piece is ours. Mm. So we don't give authorship to the images, yeah, we give no, authorship good. to the work. But anyway, so my work, late, my latest body of work, which I haven't finished, is to do with a direct phenomenon of migration from Central America to the United States. As we should add, you're British-Mexican. Yeah, that's correct. Grew up in Manchester. Uh, born in Manchester, grew up in Mexico, came back to Britain 19 years ago, 18 years ago, sorry, I think and then moved three and a half years back to Mexico. So I've been developing my work in Mexico. And you're, when you think migration, I mean, because you're, you're speaking to me now and I'm sort of European, I obviously think of the European migration going on at the moment. When you talk of migration, do you think of it as Mexican migration into America or just global my, the global movement at the moment. Yeah, my, my work focuses on Central Americans, particularly from four countries, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Honduras and Guatemala, predominantly Salvadorans and Hondurans, traveling across uh, uh, Central America into Mexico and furthering up uh, to, uh, to, the, to the United States. Um, so mainly, I'm following uh, caravans of Central Americans, not Mexicans, very few Mexicans, I'd say. But um, the phenomenon of migration in that part of the world follows the same uh, ideals and goals as people that escape uh, oppression or violence or poverty, which is the same thing, oppression, uh, poverty in uh, African countries or the Middle East yeah. or other places around the world. So <coughs> it's the same story, yeah, it's just a different... Yeah, the are the same, it's just a story that's, that's different, isn't it? With... It's just the, 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 the only difference is the geography mm. of where these people come from, but the problematics, the reasons they leave are the same, whether it's El Salvador or uh, Nigeria or, you know, Syria, it's violence and poverty. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, what fueled the foundations for this project? Where did it start? Mm. 
for this particular project? Mm. Um, interesting question, actually, because my uh, interest comes from... Uh, I was always interested in... I'd have to go further back into my brain to kind of like reach out and explain the reasons. Um, uh, being half Mexican has always, you know, attracted me to issues that go on in that in that country. Um, I did some work about two years. I worked for the International Secretariat at Amnesty International, and that's where I learned more about what was going on in Central America. Because mm. prior to my work there, I didn't really know what was going on except violence and gangs. That's all yeah. I knew. Like that's what they feed everyone. Yeah, of course. Without really knowing what you know what's going on in those countries. Mm. In El Salvador, when I say these countries, I mean El Salvador, uh, Honduras, and to a certain extent Guatemala. Mm. Um, so. Um, so I knew, I, I read all this stuff that was going on. I was researching every day, you know, the issues that were affecting these countries. But I never actually went to these countries myself yeah. to presence what was going on. So three and three and a half years ago, I decided to move from the UK to Mexico with the intention of uh, going back and, you know, understanding a bit of what was going on. Sorry, was this with your sister? Or? No, I'm alone. Yeah, well, back to Mexico, where I, where I grew up, when my sister lived here. Um, and so going back there, I uh, decided to do a trip to the Central American region. I uh, understood more of what was going on, just a little bit, because I was only there for about a month and a half. And later on, I went back. Um, but what really drove me to wanting to do this work was, was it was a kind of like by mistake, because my main interest was to travel on... So I have to explain. So people that travel from Central America to the United States travel on freight trains. Yeah. Uh, not the normal train that goes from Manchester Piccadilly no, to no, no. So, yeah, <laughs> London. Like yeah. But some people don't know about this. And this is, this is kind of like one of the reasons I'm so attracted to this story on migration. I mean, apart from many other reasons, don't get me wrong, but I think that the way they move from, from their origin to the destiny, final destination using cargo trains or freight trains that transport thousands and thousands of pounds, you know, dollars, in uh, in materials such as appliance, electronic appliances, blah 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 blah, blah. all those protected by security companies, but the people don't, they don't give a shit about it. So, and these trains are built in the United States for the purpose of carrying cargo from places from Mexico, Canada, United States. They go back and forth. So, um, so it's interesting how they protect the the. the the, the stuff that goes on the trains, but not the people. People travel illegally on these trains. But I wanted to go and photograph the landscape from freight trains. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. my interest, because unlike uh, Europe uh, or the United States or a few other countries where you have the privilege of traveling from one city to another on trains and you can observe the landscape, in Mexico there's no trains, there's no passenger trains. They were privatized in 97, if I'm not mistaken. And so it, uh, so that just stopped anyone from being able to see the depths of a country. Yeah. And so I was really curious to see what was going on within those veins of a country, those tracks, I call them veins, the tracks of a country. And I jumped on the trains, um, but I jumped on the trains with thousands of people. And I could not, you know, avoid turning my lens to them. I could not just photograph the landscape, I had to photograph what was going on around me. 
And so I ended up doing uh, two parallel projects, which I still continue to do. The landscape, which is called the landscape of the beast, because the beast is the train that's used by migrants to travel to the United States, and the the light of the beast, which is the the people um, that travel on the train. So that was like one of the reasons why I ended up doing this project kind of by mistake, but it was a forced mistake uh, that I had to undertake, and uh, and that's that's the reason. What's going to come of this project? Is it a, I know you you I know you made one book before yeah. with your sister. Yeah. Um, what's going to? Where's the images going for this project? Um, well, actually, something I did omit to say is that um, I think it's important when you do work, you know, creative work in this case, to, to, to like, I do it at least, I speak for myself, I'll do my work because I'm trying to find something in life. I don't just do it to, you know, think of publications or think of, you know, the, the, the relevance it would have in society. It has to have relevance to me. Yeah, of course. And I think that my work that I do, that I travel on trains and I photograph people, yeah, I photograph them, but I'm actually looking for something in life. Uh, and one of those things I'm looking for is understanding. So, in other words, trying to understand myself, my surroundings, and and learning from people that I've been, you know, traveling on, traveling on trains with, traveling, you know, by foot with, and uh, in that process, I've met people and I've become friends with them, and I've learned to try to be a better human being. So, um, aside from that, what, where would this go? Well, because it was never planned to be something other than. A project on land on the landscape and ended up being something else too. I'm kind of now working on a, on an idea to perhaps do a book on on the on the light of the beast project. The people that I've been photographing, but there's all all these other ideas that sort of like uh, suddenly you know arise. Yeah, like other things that I want to do that I want to go. Like I've lately been interested in in, in uh, departing my journeys from further south. Because I've noticed something that was new to me that I didn't know, that there's people from all around the world that actually end up in Colombia and travel through the jungle to get to Central America. So it's even more extreme. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I know I've seen a few documentaries where the people like from Iran or from India they walk the jungle. It takes them five days to get to Panama. And That's where most people start their journey, and they've had a, a journey across continents to get just there. It's crazy. I mean, I mean, you know, like for me, the migrant journey or the migrants that do these journeys are heroes. Mm. And I think that some some governments with with a right wing mentality and people with a right wing mentality see these people as trash when what they're doing is like heroic. Mm. You know, they're they're trying to better their lives. It's, just, it's it's pretty profound, but like, you know, traveling in the fucking Mediterranean, you know, the trip's called the 50 50. Yeah, yeah. 50% chances of living, 50% chances of dying. Scary shit. In the ocean. And these people go in boats to get to an island and live, try and live a better life. Yeah. It's just, it's as simple as that. And yeah. so, 
so so yeah I'm working on a hopefully working on a publication of this work um, but I still don't know how it's gonna you know be edited or built up you should do it along with anyone else like a, a charity do you think um, I mean I only say that because I'm I'm putting or trying to put together a show at the moment for Help Refugees mm. so I was in talks with those with Help Refugees to try and get this going um, yeah that just comes into mind as you were right, saying right. that well I don't know yet because um as I said to you, I think that I'm still working on this work, and uh, I just don't know when is the best time to finish off something that you're doing. Like this is a project that I think should take a lot longer than two and a half years. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be never ending because all the time. Yeah, absolutely. It's a never ending story. It, yeah, it, yeah. People just have another narrative running through the middle of your absolutely. project. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I think. Right now, I've been thinking about it. I'm in talks with uh, a friend who's got a, a small publication and uh, publishing company. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd probably like to print a very limited run of books uh, with some extracts of my work and, and then don't publish anything else and then keep building up the, the work mm. until I feel you know, um, satisfied enough to publish something much more detailed because I do have hundreds of images of two and a half years of work but I don't want to I don't want to do something like too big right now so I think the idea right now is to just I have to talk to him actually I have to go and see him so build uh, publish a book that is uh, like a limited run limited edition and only has a bit of the work mm. to then prepare the you know the, a bigger body of work and publish that yeah. when was your first interest in photography uh, well I start I grabbed a camera when I was in, uh, back in 98 ni no 97 97 but I would be documenting graffiti in Mexico and I wouldn't consider myself a photographer back then. Then I, uh, I, I would document uh, you know, graffiti on the streets in Mexico City from 97 to roughly around 2001. Mm. And, then, um, and then I came to the UK to study a, a degree in photography eventually. And then I, think, I feel that maybe from 97, no, 2007 onwards is when I you know, started working on photography projects, you know, with a vision yeah, yeah. of photography. But I used a camera before, so, you know. Is there a project that you've created that means the most to you? Bearing in mind that you, you work more on projects and individual yeah. artworks. I think they've all got their their own uh, you know uh, space in my uh, in my heart. Well, they obviously meant a lot to you at the time. Otherwise, you wouldn't have created them, yeah. would you? Yeah, I think I think this project, uh, which wasn't meant to be a project, and it ended up being a project, as I said before. The migration one is one that I've I've been pretty uh, devoted to for the last, as I said, two and a half years. And I, I see it doesn't still have an end. It, the phenomenon won't have an end until things change. No. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. But, but they won't ever change because migration is a natural phenomenon. So, you know, human beings will always travel because we always have traveled from place to place. So at, at the moment, when it seems to be whole countries are being shut down, or sections of countries, and, and that whole community has to go somewhere. Well, I think that the, it's a, there's a very easy way for me to, to understand uh, this. If this, this, this phenomenon seen as a problem will not end until... Greed stops. Exactly, exactly. So if, if, if countries still are greedy for the resources from other countries mm. where people live and can't exploit their own resources. Yeah. And I think another, another point to make is that, um, you know, who, who am I to, to, to say that I'm, because I'm white and because I was born in Britain, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm different to them, mm. to them. Because we always see them, you know, anyone in disadvantage is seen as the other. Yeah. I could be like them, <laughs> you know, it could be, I could easily end up in their situation. Or we could end up in that situation. If in, in, in the UK, for instance, there was a huge shortages at some point of something, we would want to go other places. It's a natural fucking thing, you know. And people don't see that. So we don't, what I'm trying to say is there's no empathy and there's no, I don't put myself in your shoes to understand your situation. Your position, but um, I think it's very simple, you know. I think compassion and understanding, but ignorance prevails because ignorance prevails, it will obviously allow people, you know, in, in politics high up who have uh, uh, conservative ways of thinking to keep, you know, distributing their messages of hate and, and non understanding. So it's, it's just, uh, and none of us are pure, pure blood and skin. Yeah, and yeah stuff, that's you know? the thing, isn't it? We all are from different places. Yeah. I was standing at the bus stop the other day and thinking of London. I've seen London, I've seen all these different cultures and people talking different languages. I think this fucking city is full of people from different places. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that makes me smile about Americans when you have the, um, the, the far right, Ameri but, but the whole of America, unless you're a Native American, the whole of America, they, they refer Absolutely. to it as a bastard nation you because it's just made up of everyone. Exactly, except the, the Native Americans, yeah. the Native Indians who 
who also came from another place. Because we all come from Africa at the end of the day, don't we? So uh, it's, it's ironic and it's, uh, it's ridiculous to think that we are from this land. Like, we were here forever because we were. So we could go back and, and study migration from centuries and centuries back and understand that we weren't always here. So it's very simple. For me, it's a very simple thing to, to understand, but it's ignorance. Ignorance is what blocks people from seeing beyond. I mean, I, I mean you, can't, you can't blame anyone for, for having that ignorance to a subject. The, when you can start to look at them with different eyes is when they're made aware of the information and still don't take it on board. But when I say ignorance, I don't mean, oh, fucking ignorant people. They don't they've never no, 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 you don't even have to no. study. You don't even have to... Well, as far as I think, you don't have to have a PhD in fucking Harvard no, to no, understand it. Like I mean, myself, even myself, I was yeah. talking to someone the other day, and I said that when I was a teenager, I was homophobic, but to right. the true sense, uh, to the true definition of the word, mm, as in, mm. I was sort of scared of anyone gay, because I didn't know any. <laughs> I, I didn't grow up with any, although yeah. it turns out I, I was around, uh, like, you know, I did know people, but I just didn't know they were mm. gay. Uh-huh. Um, and then by the time I got into my... Um, like late teens and started mixing with people outside of my small bubble of friends and then you yeah then you change your opinion yeah, absolutely and just through uh, lack of ignorance you know through, through learning that way you know? absolutely I think yeah you just need to yeah just, I think you just need to open yourself a little bit and understand that there's there's differences that everyone's different I mean, I always, I, I, I was talking to someone yesterday discussing, I can't remember what, and I said, I can't understand how people can think this way. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. I said, but then I said to myself, well, I might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's always yeah, yeah, important yeah. to understand that you may not have the, the, the answer to things. Yeah, looking through different You eyes. might be wrong, and it's important to acknowledge that. Mm. And not always think that you are in the right about yeah. about whatever you know. I mean, so, I did say it to someone else recently as well that I don't I don't see much sexism in comparison. Uh, in, I don't see much sexism in the art world compared to the business sector. Mm. But then again, I had to correct myself because I only see the art world through my male eyes. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. That's another thing to, that I've been thinking about lately. With, uh, for instance, the women's movement. You mm. know. How us men see things like when I say to people uh, that want to travel to Mexico, or just Mexican people in general, I'm going off the tangent. <laughs> but we as men see the world in a very different way to women, how they see the world. And so, like you know, for instance, uh, uh, security in a, in, a, in, a, in a city. It's not it's not the same for me to be a male in Mexico City than to be a, a female. But, I have to acknowledge that. And if I can identify that, I'm a male, I run less risks than females on the street, then at least, you know, there's progress here because I'm opening my brain and I'm actually trying to think in her boots, you know, how she experiences day-to-day living. So, uh, but yeah, it's just, I'm just trying to say, you know, agree with you in the sense that... I was talking to someone, I know I keep saying this, but I was talking to someone recently about... um, about prison, and it, it was it was an old it was a, it was a neighbour, and he even though he's known me for 
30 years, more than 30 years. He was referring to someone um, near where one of these clubs are that he goes to, and he went, well, oh, he's a dodgy character because he's been to prison. Oh, yeah. Now, he knows that I've been to prison for years. Stereotypes, yeah. and, and I just went, well, what does that matter? And then he's realised what he said. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah, 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 yeah. But he went, oh, no, no, I'm not saying that about any, yeah. everyone, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Ev- everyone's got their little sort of cross to bear, haven't they? Talking of prison, could you tell me about prison me? No, no way. way. Yeah. So I don't really know much about this uh, prison me no way thing, but it was basically uh, it was a, a project that the uh, council in Hackney uh, developed. It was a festival the council developed to tackle crime, to prevent kids from going to prison. And this was back in 2005, if I'm not mistaken. And basically what it was is uh, they, they built a festival and they wanted to show, I think it was like, Concert and they wanted to screen some images that I and two other photographers produced in Worm Scrubs, mm. one of the prisons in London, to show kids that being in prison is not a good thing. Because yeah. I think yeah. there's this like kind of street cred yeah, thing course, going yeah. on, and if you go to prison, you can, you know have more like stuff. Yeah, yeah, like not a badge. Your, not on your bed posters. Absolutely. So we were invited, me and two other photographers, while we were studying at the community college to go to this prison to photograph it and, and come out, you know. And, and, it's pretty cool to be able to go into a prison with a camera because they're, they're really hot on that, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I know that most of the fucking cons have got, got camera phones at the yeah, moment, the yeah, way things yeah, are. Yeah, they do, it's but, crazy. Um, yeah, it's hard to get that to go in there. And was that a good experience? Well, it's interesting because I they, they taught... Um, so this uh, screw, or prison officer toured us around for like six hours Shit. but only showed us like the, the, the nice and more decent yeah, parts of, of course, the prison because yeah. obviously in, ha- in uh, Women's Scrubs there's, there's wings which are much more problematic than yeah, others yeah. so he showed us um, a wing uh, a B wing which is like a filter uh, wing uh, where everyone that gets sent to that prison goes through that wing and then gets distributed yeah, to the other wings yeah. so it was like kind of clean and you know always yeah, you know in, yeah, in yeah. tidy right. conditions and we photographed that, and then we walked around the prison, the perimeter. And I, to be honest with you, I didn't see anything that threatened me or you know made me scared. And it was kind of difficult for me to photograph things that the council wanted to, to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what the result of that was. I what basically what happened was I photographed like ten films. Um, yeah, ten films. They the council developed them. The council had all the rights to those pictures. We could not use those pictures for anything. Yeah. Me and the other two photographers. So what happened was I just stored all that information in my house for like ten years, <laughs> or seven years, and I just didn't know what I was yeah. going to do with them. Yeah. I didn't think they were good pictures, anyways. So it was it was a really interesting thing, and I don't know if the council men- use them or not. As I mentioned to you, that I'm. On the board of uh, prison arts charity Cursor Trust, and at this year's show, we had more photography in that show than ever oh, before. Because the, the D category prisons, which are the the more open prisons, they're allowing cameras. Oh, they're allowing cameras. Yeah, so yeah, it's a good thing. That's really interesting. I wonder why. No, I don't know. Um, where do you go to relax? To relax. Well, what do you do? I don't to know relax? if I actually ever relax. You know. I always have something to do. I've, I'm always on the move, so I don't know. If I'm actually relaxed, I feel guilty. I don't think my brain has <laughs> the capability of feeling relaxed ever. Yeah. 
Oh, no. The Interesting word. I, I know where, maybe, uh, when I'm going to eat something. Yeah. If I'm on my way to eating something, if I'm waiting for the food with friends, I never eat alone, I don't like eating alone. You know, unless I'm having breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the moment, the, the before the food is the food comes to the table, that makes me feel relaxed and happy. It's a fun, oh, and, and, run, and running, running. I do, uh, I do run. Yeah, so I feel relaxed then. I don't know how this one would apply to you, but if there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would be your perfect group show? So, naming the artists. Yeah. I know you're fond of graffiti, I wondered if it would be graffiti artists. There's too many good graffiti artists, but... It's a difficult one. Oh, okay. Uh, there's, at least there's three I can think of. Um... I think you better put your sister in there first. <laughs> She's going to hang me otherwise. No, there's uh, there's a guy from New York called Revs. I really like his, his stuff. I think Revs. Revs. R E V S. His uh his work is it goes beyond graffiti and it's like it's developed, but also he's a very kind of uh, I don't know him personally, but I think his work is very like, underground. Like he mm. doesn't like to show his work much. Um, him, I would consider someone called Chaz Bojorquez from Los Angeles. He's uh, more of a typographist, and, and his work is really interesting. He's a, a true artist, I'd say. Um, I want to try to mix it, but I can think of three, those three, uh, those two guys. Um, I think I like Sane, Sane from New York. Yeah, uh, he's a really good graffiti writer. His stuff was pretty uh, uh, advanced at the time in the eighties. There's a lot of good graffiti writers. I don't want to like. He's getting like, too many nowadays. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, Azil from France, from Paris. Azil is fucking pure, pure tagging. Um, and there's a lot of photographers too that I can, I can think of. One of them is actually called Edmund Clark. Yeah. He's a very, very good photographer. Where's uh, he from? He's from London, I think. Um, but he, his work focuses on prisons and war. And war? War and prisons, yeah. So he's done a few projects on prisons. One in the UK, or perhaps more than one in the UK. But he's also focused his work on, on, on the effects of, pris uh, of war. Mm. Uh, his work aesthetically tends to be pretty quiet, but it's actually, when you look and study the images, they are much more, you know, they have a lot of power to them. Yeah. So like very empty spaces that have a lot of information if you start, you know, yeah, yeah, decoding yeah. The, uh, the information. So you'd have to look at his work, it's really interesting. Um, so that's five, I think. It is. You've yeah. got you got to your five. There's more than five, obviously. But if you wasn't a photographer, what would you like to do? Um, I thought of one thing that came up, up my head right straight away. Maybe a professional runner. It's oh. never going to happen. <laughs> it's never going to happen because I don't give it enough training. I, yeah. At one point, I was training like consistently. Um, and I think I was doing a lot of kilometers a month, uh, a week, but then because I've traveled a lot and I'm never static and I have to, you know, to be able to be a runner, you need to dedicate yourself and you have to have 
a routine. You have to eat special food. I'm not like that, but but I do like do a lot of running, and so you know that's what keeps me going. Especially before I went to prison, like running was my way to cleanse my mind and focus myself. Um, and I think I took it as a it was like a pill, you know, to to feel much more healthy yeah. mentally and physically. And uh, so yeah, that's, I recommend running. Pablo, what you got coming up? Coming up? Um, anything coming up? Well, I'm going to carry on working on uh, the photography stuff I'm working on. And just uh, I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, things happen, um, you know, without me really planning them sometimes. I don't like to plan too much. But um, some travels and, uh, yeah, things will pop up in my head as I go. And where can people find you, website and social media? Well, on my, uh, I, I tend to publish things on my Instagram account. Yeah, That's where I... people are using that more and more yeah, nowadays, aren't they? I, you know what, it's funny, because I have refrained myself from posting too much lately. I used to post every day. And I think I'm only going to be posting every day if I'm doing actual, you know, work on the go. Like yeah. if I'm doing a, a, a travel on trains or, you know, something regarding my work, because my Instagram is only to do with migration now. It started off with being different types of photography that I was doing. And now I just focus on my photography, on my uh, on migration as, as the topic that I upload on my Instagram. Um, so if I was doing something on the go, I would be posting like a diary, like a diary. But now I try to I try to limit my posts because I don't know. I have many reasons, and I just think it's an overwhelming, you know, bombardment of information. And sometimes I just get a bit tired of it, of my own posts and of other people's posts. <laughs> I'm with you there. It's a I'm really weird there. thing, but it's great for some things, and it can be a fucking evil yes. shit for yeah. other things. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to see things as a negative only, because they have positives and yeah, negatives. Of course. Of course. And so that's uh, where some of my work can be seen, or with my website. Um, but my website is always static, yeah. unless I have new projects to upload on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's all my questions done. Brilliant. Thank, thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for, for you know, wanting to interview me. I think it's, uh, it's great. I mean, I just can appreciate when someone's in, interested and appreciative of your work. Oh, that's good. And I think that, you know, I, you just need to be grateful for it. Yeah. Good stuff, mate. Well, thanks very much. Ah, oh, Pablo Allison. What a man. If you go over to his Instagram page, which is at PabloLondon1, the number one, you'll see some beautiful images of his work and a few little snippets of what's to come. I'd like to thank our mutual friend Steph Warren from the Stella Door Gallery down in St Leonard's for putting us together and making this podcast happen. And as I say every week, on whichever platform you listen to this podcast, you should be able to make a comment. It'll only take a couple of seconds and not only is it beneficial to us, it helps anyone who's looking for an art podcast. And if you've got any questions you'd like to ask, pop over to our Instagram page, ministryofarts.org, or email us on podcast at ministryofarts.org. So, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta-da. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.